This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Doctors of Running Virtual Roundtable, where we, three doctors of physical therapy, discuss the art and the science and stuff that we're putting on our feet. And today, we're really honored and excited. We have Tony Post, the CEO and founder of Topo, here with us um, to share with us about kind of his history, how he got into running, and then break down some things on what Topo is up to these days. So, Tony, thanks so much for joining us. Glad to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So let's, let's start, we kind of ask everybody this, who we get on, like, what was your doorway into the running world? And then for you, what was your doorway into footwear design? Like, how did you, how did you get into that kind of uh, field? Yeah, and the two are very connected, you know, like a lot of runners end up kind of in this industry. Um, so I grew up in Colorado, I wasn't a runner, actually, in high school, I didn't participate in track or cross country, I did a lot of other team sports. And, you know, was pretty athletic and I did um, ski a lot also and was a ski racer and, um, and played golf. So I went to University of Tulsa, um, but I actually went on a golf scholarship and oh, wow. I didn't, uh, my roommate was a track athlete. And so, you know, he got me kind of interested in running. So this is the late seventies and he got me interested in running. And so I was running for fitness. And as luck would have it, Tulsa had a pretty good golf team back in those days. And, and um, I, I actually, my sophomore year got cut. And so I needed to have a way to pay for school. So I was working and, you know, taking out loans and stuff like that. But I'd started running as a freshman in college. And by the end of sophomore year, I, you know, was getting better. And he said, you should really enter this AAU meet. Well, first there was an intramural meet and then an AAU meet. And I ended up winning both the mile and the two mile in those races. And at the AAU meet, the track coach was there and he offered me eventually a scholarship. And so a partial scholarship to start, but ended up, you know, really helping out. And so that's how I kind of came to running was, you know, not until I was in college and uh, ended up becoming uh, captain both the cross country and the track team. And, uh, but I started so late that I wanted to see how far I could get. We were division one, so we were competing against pretty good talent. Um, but I wanted to, to train with better people and better runners. And so I moved to the Boston area that at that time, there were really three places you could go. Eugene, Oregon, which was you know, the old Prefontaine stomping grounds, the legend, back to Colorado, Boulder, Colorado was another place or to the Boston area. And so I ended up coming to the Boston area and made that my home trained, you know, for a couple of years, but I wasn't really good enough to make a living at running. And so I had to have other work and other jobs. And some of the people that I was running with, um, a couple of more employed by Nike. So Nike had a development facility up in Exeter, New Hampshire. 
I used to go to the facility just to try to learn things and meet people and network. And, uh, but Bill Rogers, who you guys probably know, four-time champion of uh, both New York and Boston marathons, uh, he was a spokesperson for this little shoe company called Rockport. And Rockport made casual shoes, but they were the first casual shoe company to use athletic shoe technology. So it made them really light, really comfortable. And I thought that was a really interesting concept. And Nike at that time already seemed like such a big company that I would just be, you know, another cog in the wheel, you know, yet again, one more runner. So I ended up going to work for the Rockport company. And that was my introduction to the shoemaking world. What I didn't realize, this story is probably longer than you wanted, but what I didn't realize is that I was working with all of these old school New England shoemakers, you know, and then there were a couple of people who were kind of a little more modern approach. So I got this really great education in traditional shoemaking techniques, starting with, you know, how to build and shape a last, you know, how bottoms were made. Back in those days, we actually had a workshop in the, in the office and we would literally craft all of our own lasts. We would make wood models of the bottoms. It was, it was a great education. I was really lucky to go through it. I ended up spending 15 years at Rockport and ended up eventually running all of product and marketing there. And uh, along the way, you may have heard this story, but along the way, when we introduced our dress shoes, I ran the New York City and London marathons in the dress shoes. And so it was a way to kind of establish this concept that, you know, these shoes are so light, so comfortable, you could actually run a marathon in them. And I ran a 249 marathon in the dress shoes. I was going to ask, because yeah. people are always like, can I run a marathon in this shoe? You know, because we were doing a ton of different shoes, right? Can I run a marathon in this? And the answer is probably, you can. You yeah, know, you yeah. Can. It may not be the best choice, but you could certainly. <laughs> yeah. And the truth is I probably could get away with a lot of things. You know, I was 30 years old back then. And so it was easy to, to, you know, probably cheat the rule of, you know, the system with your body. Um, and uh, so anyway, uh, I, I spent 15 years there. And then after that, I, I made a decision that um, I wanted to experience other things and, you know, see if I could... The founder of Rockport actually had a, um, a venture capital fund. After he had sold the business to Reebok, he moved to San Francisco. This is in the early days of the technology industry and the internet boom and all this stuff. And we had stayed friends and he convinced me to come to work for him. And I did it for a couple of years. I learned a lot about him. Well, as much as you can learn probably in two years about venture capital and about uh, how to use the internet. You know, these are the early days of selling things on the internet and how that would work. And uh, so it was, it was really inspiring. I learned a lot, but I miss consumer products. I knew the family that owned the Vibram uh, brand in Italy because we used a lot of Vibram. And I say Vibram because the founder of the company was Vitali Bramani. And if you traveled in Europe, they would traditionally say Vibram. A lot of people here pronounce it as Vibram. I think the owners of the company don't really care which you use. Um, and so they were interested in starting a U.S. subsidiary company. And uh, this was around 2001. And so I, uh, they asked me if I would help them with that initiative. So I did. And there were two of us when we started Vibram USA. And the purpose of the business was really to design and produce platforms 
you know, midsoles, outsoles for a variety of shoe companies. Mm -hmm. And so companies that you would think that, you know, Vibram was on, we really weren't on. Um, so brands like Timberland, the North Face, Merrill was already a customer, but all these different brands. At one point, we had six programs with Nike. We had on Nike ACG. Um, and so it was a great education. I got to see how all these other companies worked. But that's kind of where I really developed my better understanding of, of the footwear industry, um, you yeah. know, just working with all those companies, which eventually then we launched our own brand, which was Vibram Five Fingers. Yeah. If you haven't heard of that, you've probably been living under a rock. <laughs> <laughs> well, for everybody, those are the shoes that, you know, probably my wife is fond of saying the ugliest shoes ever made. You know, they had five individual toes and I had kind of come into this. Uh, so the owner of the company in Italy bought this design concept from a design student and agreed to pay him a royalty if we ever commercialized it. They showed us at Vibram USA the concept and asked us if we could you know, help commercialize it and industrialize it. And, and we did. And, you know, I, I was undergoing at the time a lot of uh, knee pain and some, you know, just with age and, you know, 20 something years of running, my body was starting to get a little beat up. And talking to one of my old friends in Colorado, he said, have you ever tried training barefoot? Now, this is before anybody talked about, you know, barefoot running. This is probably five years before Born to Run was, you know, published. And uh, so I thought that was a really interesting concept. And, and so I started to use the shoes in the gym at first. So the prototype five fingers I used in the gym. And um, you know, we were talking about this before we went live, but that's when I was starting to do more strength training. And, you know, just trying to find ways to overcome this knee pain and this knee injury. And then one day, kind of on a whim, I decided to just go out for like a three or four mile run wearing the five fingers, you know, because I had them on for lifting and doing some of the balance exercises that I was doing. And what I noticed was almost immediately, it forced me to run very differently. And in that process, I wasn't experiencing the knee pain. And I realized that my form had deteriorated so much over the years that this could be used as a form trainer. So that's how we got to the Vibram five fingers concept. Things kind of blew up, got out of control. Uh, I wanted to introduce other types of footwear within Vibram, but the owners of the company in Italy really didn't want to do that. And I don't blame them for that. Mm -hmm. um, and so we decided to part ways in 2012. I resigned from the company, left the company. Um, but I knew I wanted to take some of what I learned in this natural running phenomenon and bring it to a brand. And so that's when I decided to start Topo Athletic. So Topo is the first two letters of my first and last name. So Tony Post, Topo is how you get that. And I also like what has the, has the um, topography also, also pops into my mind, yeah. which is a, a kind of a cool, I don't know yeah. if that's coincidental yeah. or a lot of that. And Topo was a nickname I had in college, actually, ironically, when I was running. So, you know, people used to call me Topo back then. So it all kind of fit together. And yeah. so that's, but, but with Topo, what I really wanted to do, and this is such a long way to get to this story, I apologize to your, to your viewers, but, uh, you know, with Topo, I wanted to take some of those natural ingredients that we learned and developed when I was at Beaver Five Fingers, but we also learned some things that maybe weren't so good. Mm -hmm. and bring that into a, a brand that people could use 
and not have the stigma of, you know, the five toes and, but have some of the benefits and some of the things that people I thought could, could, you know, use in their life with a natural running product. Yeah. I, I and we never, to this day, I was working and running retail back at that time. This was right before I started PT school. I remember when you transitioned and started your own company. I remember uh, was, I'd worked at FitRight Northwest and transitioned to, um, yeah, to another, another company that, um, and we remember getting your product in and being able to see that and was like, whoa, well, this is interesting. And it yeah. was nice at that time where I was figuring out as somebody who was, had lots of five fingers and was realizing and especially as I got into PT school and the age of reason happened, I'm like, oh yeah, by the way, the evidence that there is a balance, right? The five fingers, that minimalist, that very minimalist stuff will work for a very unique population of people. But the, the requirements to go train that full time are very high, right? You have to maintain a lot of mobility, a lot of strength stuff that a lot of people aren't willing to do and transition into, whereas Topo was kind of that nice, what I'd call transitional upper, what had a lot of the characteristics, but it was nice enough that there wasn't really that same kind of risk associated with that. So yeah, I remember that now, interesting. So the ingredients I wanted to take as I wanted to make a shoe that would allow your toes to spread and splay naturally. So I don't have to tell you guys and probably a lot of your viewers know that toes are so important for balance, agility, a sense of control. So being able to really use all of the sensitivity that you have there and be able to, you know, balance better and, as well as, you know, it's just a stabilizing factor in your running. So for good running form, you need good, healthy, strong feet. But I, I found a lot of shoes at that time also fit, if they fit wide in the toes, they fit wide throughout. So I want to make it snug in the waist and, and secure in the heel so that the shoe still felt very much like a part of your body, even though there's all this room for your toes to spread and splay. So that was the, and a lot of that comes with how you build the last and how you kind of the craftsmanship of footwear that, you know, so much of what you hear about today is technology and foams and, you know, those ingredients, but there's still a lot of craftsmanship that's so important to how footwear really functions. Mm -hmm. And then, and then the third ingredient that I wanted to incorporate was, you know, when we launched Five Fingers, all of them were, you know, low, flat platforms. Well, I like a relatively flat platform because I think it does provide the best possibility for a midfoot strike and encourages, you know, engaging that medial arch, the soleus muscle, all of those things. But I also know that a lot of people who transition from, you know, a 12 millimeter heel to toe drop to zero drop, you know, they've got Achilles pain or the soleus muscle is really sore. They, calves are tight. They end and up as in runners, Yeah. As runners, we don't want to wait to transition. You know, people were, and so I wanted to make shoes that had some drop. So, but also zero drop. So we make shoes with five millimeters of heel to toe drop, meaning that the heel is five millimeters higher stack height than the forefoot, five millimeters heel to toe drop, three millimeters heel to toe drop and zero drop. And so people could transition, you know, more gradually if they needed to. Some people might be, you know, happy at three or maybe even five. But, you know, the goal was to help them to transition to a zero drop shoe. And then the other thing is I didn't want to make exclusively minimal platforms. I wanted to have 
some stack height for people who might want that or who might need a little more cushioning or protection. I am a believer that, you know, less is better if you can do it, but I also saw a lot of people get injured in the process. And so that's when we decided to make shoes with, with different stack heights. Very cool. That's awesome. I think, did, did you ask something? Yeah, I, I do have a general question because you were mentioning transitioning over from a five millimeter drop to a three millimeter drop and then to a zero millimeter drop. As far as a Topo brand philosophy, is is that the ultimate goal for the runner is to, to be at a zero millimeter foot drop or is that? When we started the company, I think that was the goal, but I don't think that that's necessarily the case anymore because I, I think that it just depends on a lot of different things, you know, and, and it's not right for me to say what's right for everybody out there. So I think it's nice to transition to something that does encourage a more natural foot strike. But for some people, five, five millimeter might be, you know, the right zone for them. And so, you know, you treat all kinds of different, you know, body types and foot types. And, and so it's hard to say that one thing works for everybody. I've learned that over the years. And, and so, you know, I, I like to use a little bit of both. There are some days where I'll be in a five millimeter drop. There's mm -hmm. some days when I'm in a zero drop. And when I'm in that zero drop, I think, why would I ever be in a five millimeter drop? And then I go back and I think, wow, this is really good too, you know? And, and I think as long as you're that, you know, in that zone and you're not at something that is an artificially high heel height, like a lot of brands, you know, eight to 12 millimeters, then I think that's, you know, that's probably where it, it becomes a little bit unhealthy in my view. Awesome. Thank you. The biggest like, variety is like, that's the one of the things we know from the evidence that if a variety of footwear is one of the best ways to reduce injuries because it changes the load. So I think having a variety of footwear is good. Sorry, DJ, didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, no, no, totally fine. Yeah, I was also gonna, just going to give you a lot of credit too, because a lot of times with so many running companies out there, I look at each one individually and it's, okay, what's unique to this company? What do they bring to the table that a lot of other companies don't bring? And one of the things right off the bat, if you look at any topo, is that last and that upper, where like mm -hmm. how you were saying, that heel and that midfoot, it's secure and it's snug, but then you guys have that wide toe box that wraps around. Yeah. And that's always been something very characteristic that I've associated with topo. And it, it draws a lot of interest too, as far as the hold and the, the toe splay. So. And I would even say, you know, there, there are going to be times where our shoes maybe aren't the best for somebody, somebody with an exceptionally wide foot they may be better suited in a pair of ultras in some case. It just, you see different foot shapes and foot types. While I think we cover a large audience of people, you know, I think that that's why there, there are good differences between some different brands. If somebody's in a really very slim foot, very slender foot, again, we might not be the right fit for them. Um, so I think we fit a large population and the concept works and, and, our shoes, you know, even though the concept is consistent, even there are some differences between models. So, you know, we try to cover a pretty wide range of, of foot types. Yeah. There are, if we could go back and stop at a bunch of different points in your story, we could, because I think <laughs> some things that stuck out to me, one, one was just your organic training was really cool. Mm -hmm. Just in the way that it sounds like you're the, what you studied in undergrad was not in a, in a direction of becoming a footwear designer. But it's no. something that came as you got to like sit and learn under experts, 
And I think there's some really cool things about that. And then a few other things of, of wisdom that you, that you shared within your story too, is when you transitioned to running in the Vibram five finger, you were doing two things that were pretty vital. One was you were actively strength training because that's what you're doing in them. And the second is that you were in them for a long time before you even went and ran in them. And yeah. I think we've seen people transition clinically, clinically, when we see people transition footwear way too quickly, that's when they're running into issues. Yeah. And you talked about some of the obvious ones. Like if you go, if you're going from a 12 millimeter drop to a zero millimeter drop in no time at all, your Achilles is going to get a higher load. And, um, I, just, I thought there was a lot of wisdom there and just how you yourself ended up transitioning into it, um, yeah. which is really good. And then the, the other thing that I, I think you talked about kind of promoting a little bit forward strike um, with, with a little bit lower drop and kind of the design of your shoes. Right. And I think one of the things that we've noticed clinically too is whether people are heel, heel striking or forefoot striking, not every heel strike is created equal either you know some people will be in a shoe where they're you know they're overstriding their foot is landing way in front of them right. their tip the angle of their tibia when they strike is putting lots of force which is correlating with their pain and so yeah. even do that even if they don't become a pure midfoot strike or pure forefoot strike there's extremes of the heel striking that can be really problematic sometimes shoes can be a nice tool to help train you to run a certain way and then Matt already touched on the other piece of wisdom where you talked about the variability of your, what you run in now and how, what Topo would allow you to do with different drops. We know yeah. variability is good too. So you just, you hit yeah. so much wisdom in there. Um, a lot of really good yep. things. Some of it was luck. And I think just for the, for the viewers or the audience too. So we talk a lot about heel to toe drop, but there's also stack height. And so when you begin to add stack height, you can't help but lose some of the sensitivity or feel for the ground. So again, I like to rotate, you know, there are days where I don't want to be in, you know, I, I, I wore these types of shoes a lot for quite a few years, but there are days where I don't want to be in a low zero drop shoe. I just want a little more protection and maybe I want three millimeters or five millimeters of stack height. That's how I'm feeling that day. And I think it is important for people to mix it up all the time. Just like, I don't think it's good if you're weightlifting to do the same five exercises every, every other day or every day or whatever you're doing. Yeah. So, you know, running should be the same way. You should change your equipment, you know, change your roots. You know, I, I live in New England. We have a lot of hills, so we're lucky in that way. I think I love the fact that we have a wide vari variety of terrain. Topo, we make both trail shoes and road shoes. So I really encourage people to get out on the trails. Mm -hmm. You don't even, you know, you don't have to wear our shoes for running. A lot of people wear our shoes for hiking, for walking. I just want people to get outside and get healthy. Yeah. The, you mentioned stack height too. Jumping back to that point is there's a biomechanical study done with um, different uh, densities and height of foam and they actually found that when there's a higher stack of foam people run with stiffer joints because of the lack of pro i guess the theory behind it is the lack of proprioception and so yeah. if you have less of a, an awareness of the ground you're you're not going to absorb as much shock through the through your knee and your hip and your foot you're going to run a little bit stiffer because you're a little bit more unstable yep. you'll want to be create a more stable platform so you're you're spot on there too i had a great teacher here and you guys may know her but um, so I'm in the Boston area and Irene Davis, who you may know from, so, and she teaches at, at the Harvard Medical School, but 
you know, long before she started teaching there, she was one of the people who, when we were doing some of the early work around Five Fingers, who was saying, as you add all this extra stack height, there becomes a point where your body is trying to find the ground and you're actually, you're working so hard to find the ground that your body is trying to land with more force so that you can figure out where you are, what is stable, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to stabilize yourself. If you put too much cushioning there, you are destabilizing the body and it's probably not a good thing. That's what the follow-up to what, what Nathan talked about is, yeah, it's like people not only land stiffer, a lot of times they're landing harder than they normally would. And so the actual internal mode, like force at the joints is actually the same, if not more sometimes and wearing kind of a little bit less shoe and one's again, one's not better than the other one. There's going to be people who do super well on a max stack height shoe. There's going to be people who do better and less shoe, but just yep. know that the whole cushioning being more protection is not necessarily true. Not in every person. So there are some people not- that are going to land a lot harder and have more impact force with a more cushion shoe. Yep. And some might actually experience more protection. It's just going to depend on them. And so this is just my an- anecdotal uh, you know, research opinion, whatever you want to call it. But if you were always in high stack height shoes, I think you would lose some of that because I'm always rotating. Even if I go to a, a shoe with a little more stack, my form doesn't instantly change just because I went to that extra stack. I, I still have pretty good instincts. Now, if I got so thick that, you know, I couldn't feel the ground at all, probably I would be one of those people who'd be landing with a lot of force, like you said. But but because I'm constantly rotating my shoes and going back and forth, I think that, you know, the, the foundation of my running form is solid. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I want to transition. Uh, well, Irene Davis, by the way, she used to be a professor at my alma mater for, for my DP schooling. So she was known pretty well known around, around my, my schooling, but, um, Kind of jumping into current topo stuff. Um, I got kind of two big questions for you just about current topo from your perspective. One, when it comes to your footwear development, is there one shoe that has is the shoe that you're most proud of the development of and that you're the most excited about? And then two, like looking to the future of topo, kind of if you have any ideas of sneak peeks of what's coming, what people should look out for, maybe what's the best first topo to try out if you're considering jumping in and you haven't, haven't heard of it, you want to try yeah. out what would be the recommendation there? So, um, so I have a way of always thinking that whatever we're working on in the moment is the best thing we've ever done. <laughs> so, you know, you can ask me this question today and I'll give you one answer. And if you <laughs> ask me in six months, I'll probably give you a different answer. Cause I, I do get excited about, you know, the progression and product development and creation. And we talk a lot to our users and consumers. There's a direct filter, you know, where we, we gather a lot of information um, and we use that information, the development, creation of product. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, it really is, in my case, I think we just continue to try to get better each season. If you said, what is the model to try today? I almost hesitate to say it because if you went to our website, you're not going to see it because it's sold out. Our business has grown rapidly this last year and a half, which, you know, was a side effect maybe of the pandemic that we didn't expect. You know, people wanted to get outside. They wanted to get healthy. They wanted to walk, run, hike. So we have been chasing, you know, to try and, you know, build inventory, but 
But there's a shoe called the Ultrafly 3 that I'm, I, I think a lot of people, it appeals to them. It was, a, it was a refined, slightly last shape, so it fits a wide audience of people. I'm really proud of the fit and feel of that particular product. Now, there you go. I pulled it up. Yeah. Nice. And so, and so that shoe, I think, is a, is a good place for a lot of people to start if they want to have an experience with Topo on the road. On the trail... Oh, I'm so excited about a new product that we have coming. It'll be in next month. We have the second generation of Mountain Racer. Mm. And so Mountain Racer is, um, you know, you don't have to race in the mountains to wear this product, but it is a sensational product. Um, we make a version of it today that also is really good. By the way, all of our trail shoes uh, starting next season, all trail shoes have a, a Vibram outsole. Uh, the Mountain Racer, of course, has a Vibram Mega Grip outsole. Mega Grip is a little stickier compound, so it's good slip resistance in wet conditions. It's got a three-piece midsole that works really well, integrates with a gaiter. The current version has a ripstop mesh upper. So there's all these great features that I think just make it a great trail product in general. We designed it with the idea of people who are going to be you know, running the Vermont Ultra or the Leadville Trail 100 or Western States or, you know, or even, you know, something maybe a little more rigorous than Western States because Western is a lot of rolling hills too. So sometimes you get into, you know, more scree or scrabble kind of conditions. And so we wanted a product that would work in that environment. That I'm really proud of as our, as our trail shoe. Yeah. Um, so those are, those are a couple of good ones. We have a, we introduced our first boot this year. So now you've got me plugging a little bit. And the first time we made a boot and REI picked us as their quote unquote editor's choice for the spring. So wow. I'm really proud against all the boots that REI carries in their line to pick Topo as their, you know, editor's choice for a, a good, a good lightweight, you know, it's not a backpacking boot, but is a lightweight, fast trail boot. It's a, it's a great product. That's exciting. Um, just cause I'm pulling the stuff up on the, on the website. And we, you know, we talk about stability with every shoe, whether if it's a neutral shoe or a quote stability shoe, um, you, you kind of, this will be my last, probably my last question and we'll wrap up, but you, it's categorized for the mountain racer as a light stability shoe. So what, can you talk about how yeah. you guys integrate stability, how you guys define that, what you put into your footwear in that way? So in that particular product, I still want you to be able to feel the ground, but if somebody's going to run, hundred miles or, you know, be out on the trail for all day, they're going to feel the ground eventually anyway. So in that particular case, you know, we have a, a stack height that's 30 millimeters in the back, 25 in the front. So there's ample stack. And when we say stack height, we mean the outsole, the midsole parts, the strobel board, the footbed on the inside. So all of that comes up to a total of the stack height. So yep. there's ample stack underneath the foot there, but what gives that its light stability uh, characteristics are is a, a three-piece midsole in that shoe. So the heel and the lateral heel is a little softer. And anybody who's run in the mountains and run downhill, you know that when you're you know, in steep hills, you need a little more softness in the back just to help that transition. You don't want that foot to flap over too hard, you know, or, or to, so we try to build a little softness just to absorb that's there more specifically for the downhill part of the run. 
On the medial side, which is the inside, I'm using my foot like a hand or my hand like a foot, but it, on the medial side there, we, we post it with a little firmer EVA. So there's nothing really, that's why we call it light stability. You know, there aren't a lot of, you know, heavy TPU pieces or something, but that firmer EVA just uh, allows you to kind of resist the inclination, especially if you're tired, where you might collapse in or roll in a little bit more. So that's what we mean by light stability in that shoe. Um, and the, the same kind of ingredients, the same philosophy holds over into the new version of that as well. Awesome. Well, it's, it's exciting to hear kind of your story, how you got there, everything that, I mean, there's so much that went into to where you are today. I bet when you were in college, it's not where you thought you'd be. Um, that's the kind of story it sounds like. Where it's like, oh, all of a sudden, this is where I'm at and what I'm doing. Um, but it's, it's really exciting to see what you guys have going on and um, offering that variety for people, but with, with some very unique elements that make it you talk, you, I think your website has talked about kind of a, the, the bend towards the natural. You've talked about kind of creating some natural elements to the shoes and, and you guys definitely deliver that with your shaping and, and how you guys put thought into what's put under your foot. Yeah. And I think the thing to take away is, you know, we're not a big amorphous company. So there, we're a small team, relatively speaking. And so we all are very hands-on, you know, it's a, the great thing about having a company is being able to create product that you know who you're designing it for, who you're building it for. You know, you're not just trying to fill a market niche. You're really trying to make somebody's life better by creating a product that's going to improve the experience or, you know, hopefully give them, you know, more pleasure in whatever it is that they're doing, whether they're hiking or running or, or even just walking that they're, they're really going to like that. And so, like you guys, maybe I'm lucky that I kind of fell into this. My passion for running ended up bringing me here, but I just like to see people get healthy, get outside, you know, and, and be able to enjoy their bodies. Yeah, absolutely. Matt or David, do you guys have any other final questions for Tony? No, I just like that philosophy of enjoying your body and getting out, being healthy and, and just having some fun with it. Yeah. That's what it's all about. I think one of the most refreshing things to hear is talk, hearing you talk about trying to figure out what's best for each person. So even you referenced another company and you said, you know, hey, our product, I, I really like this product, but if this foot type doesn't work for you, you may want to try this. Like it's, that's really nice because it's putting the consumer first. And that's, that's why we do what we do is we want to educate people and go, you got to find what works for you. There is no, you know, we, we'd like to think there is. But there's no yeah. such as the best shoe. We encourage people to try things because that's how you're going to figure out what really works. Yeah. Your unique yeah. mechanics. Every person is different. Every, whether it's foot strike, knee angle, all this kind of stuff is very, people have different needs. And so there might yeah. be some things that tend to be a little bit better for some people and a little bit better for others. But hearing that from somebody who owns a company is always refreshing. Go, wow, like putting the consumer first is something that's very powerful. So I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, well, as I'm sure as doctors of PT, you guys are, you know, you're used to making certain recommendations based on somebody's body type or characteristic or foot shape. And, you know, I think that that's important. It's there's, there's lots of great brands, lots of great products out there. So I hope, I hope they choose ours. But if they don't, the most important thing is that they're comfortable and healthy and able to do what they wanted to do for a long time. Right. 
Well, awesome, Tony. We thank you so much for, we record Sunday nights for people who don't know that. So Tony gave up a Sunday night to come join us. And so we're super thankful that you gave us that time. Um, we're excited to continue working with you guys and learning about what you're doing. And um, we're just glad we could connect. So thank you. Uh, for people who are interested in uh, learning more about Topo, you can go to their website, which is topoathletic.com. Um, all of their product is going to be there. Some of their story and philosophy is embedded in there. And so you can learn a little bit more. Um, and then if you want to follow the stuff that we're doing, you know, you can find us on all of the places that you find things like Facebook, Instagram. I always say LinkedIn because Bach made a LinkedIn. So that cracks me. <laughs> so uh, feel free to check us out. And um, we look forward to talking more. Thanks again, That's Tony. Great. Thanks for having me, guys. Really enjoyed it.